Today on the show, I, Abu, have a declaration. Wait, are you starting? I am Jabbar. What? <laughs> Wait, no. Hey, This hey. is what happens when you <laughs> step away from the mic, Leo. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no bathroom breaks. Okay, committing to peeing in the booth. Gotcha. <laughs> Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We will be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe. From Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels, to the adaptations on film and TV, and today, comic books. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. Oh, buddy, and we're putting this one to bed. We are finishing... Oh, our coverage of the iconic, that's not the word, comic book adaptation of Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson's novel, Dune House Atreides. Yes. Heavens. Um, don't want to celebrate ending it too boldly. Right. But thank God. Oh, happy to be done with it. Good Lord. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. I'm sure you can hear the excitement in our voices. We're going to be talking all about the final two chapters of this story today right issue 11 and issue 12 huh and we're so just just so happy to be done with it yeah you'll hear all our thoughts a little later on in the episode before we jump into it a reminder that we have covered all previous issues so far on this podcast if you scroll back in the feed you can find our episodes on issues one all the way through ten indeed if you so choose, if you have read this comic like we have, <laughs> yeah. bravo to you, dear listener. You can actively listen as our optimism <laughs> faded and our yeah. <laughs> the joy drained oh from our voices as we just <laughs> resigned ourselves to finishing. Truly. It's there. It's all captured. But probably let's let's take care of some housekeeping before we get into it. That's right. Let's take care of some housekeeping, folks. First and foremost, a spoiler warning for today. Yes. Considering this is a prequel comic book series, today's episode will contain spoilers for the first Dune novel. So as long as you've read the first book, you should be A-OK today. We won't be diving into any of the sequel stuff. Indeed. Now, the best way, as always, to support us and what we do here in Gamjabar is to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash Gamjabar. You will have access to ad-free episodes, Mm -hmm. bonus bloopers, and clips. So fun. So fun. And access to our exclusive Discord server where you can stop by and say hello. You can say hi. We're there. Mm-hmm. And always, we have to give a special shout out to our Quisats Hatterack level patrons, Case Aiken, Nate Hyde. Uh. Gentlemen, if you were on trial in front of the Landsrad court, we would come <laughs> to a passionate defense declaring yes. you our cousins. And we would call dibs on the tools used for your torture. Yes. Because we want them. For our experiments later. (laughs) For our experiments later. (laughs) Thank you, guys. We really appreciate the support. And thanks to all of our patrons. As always, you make what we do possible. And we couldn't do it without you. Indeed. Another great way to support the show is to check out our merchandise Mm. at gomjabarshop.com. We have this adorable tote bag yep we got stickers mm. we got socks what? shirts what? art and so much more whoa so show off your lace guns and escape the heat in some dune themed tank tops hey all on our store at gomjabarshop.com i wore a couple when i was in uh europe and no one know knew that they were dune references which oh. <laughs> on some level is kind of how i prefer it because yeah. I can keep my Subtle. nerddom. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to be like, dude. Okay. That's what this podcast is for. <laughs> it's the last two years of my life. Finally, we love to hear from you, especially regarding these sorts of episodes. Do y'all like them? Do you hate them? Do you like hearing us hate them? Uh, send us an email, gumjabarpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll say, as we wrap up this series, we will be honest. These episodes are a kind of perverse sort of fun. The kind you might have on Gamond. Yes. Hedonistic, mm. almost. <laughs> but they do generally underperform compared to our normal fare. So we may not throw ourselves into uh, another series like this for a little while. Right. So if you, in particular, miss it, if you want us to do, you know, there's the blood of the Sardaukar 
is is out as well. If you want us to do that, let us know. If you are vocal, we will absolutely do it. If you're not, <laughs> we will wait until we have had enough <laughs> of the deep dives and need a quick hedonistic self-punishing exploration to something we love to hate. Yes, absolutely. There are other comic books out there. We could do them. We're choosing not to, but <laughs> it's true. if you want them, listeners, we will do them. All righty. That takes care of housekeeping. We're going to take a short break as usual, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we are diving into issues 11 and 12 of Dune House Atreides. Mm. See you in a minute. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. All right, welcome back, everybody. The moment has come. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's talk about first <laughs> issue number 11. Well, just like kind of every previous issue, yeah, we actually do have to start by shouting out Evan Cagle again for, my God, a beautiful cover. Yes. In this one, we see Pardo Kynes walking among the Fremen. And God, just the way that the illustration goes from kind of dark behind them to light below creates this beautiful, just the gradient metaphor for his visionary qualities. It's lovely. And I found myself thinking, looking at this beautiful picture, I hope this isn't the high point of the book. Uh, spoiler, it kind of is. <laughs> so uh, really, if you pick up this series, just drink in the cover. Appreciate yes. it, knowing that it's downhill from there, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. All of the covers. I mean, this is a cover I'd want as a print. Yeah. It's totally. that good. Yeah. Evan really knocking it out of the park once again. It's true. Well, let's actually flip the page and get into this story. Oh, no. <laughs> In our... <laughs> right. Oh, no. In our very first scene of issue 11, we are with young Duke Leto Atreides, mm. who at this moment is unfortunately being held prisoner. Yes. In an imperial prison, awaiting his trial. We're in Leto's head, and... We get a recap of basically what happened in the previous couple of issues. Someone has framed him by attacking a Tleilaxu ship on board the Highliner. And to avoid further violence, Leto surrendered himself to a trial by forfeiture, basically risking everything. His title, his land, his wealth, his power, everything. Right. In this scene, he and Thufir are basically strategizing for the trial to come. Right. Thufir says that it doesn't look great for the young Duke. Mm -hmm. And although he fully believes that Leto is innocent and knows that Leto is innocent, his <laughs> his only mentat analysis of what possibly could have happened is uh, maybe it was an accident. <laughs> yeah. Quote, the ship explosion could have been an accident, but no one will believe such a coincidence, end quote. The greatest mintat in the universe, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> He's firing on all cylinders. Maybe it was a big wow. oopsie whoopsie. Oopsie whoopsie. <laughs> Wait, it was like, thanks, Thufir. I appreciate your input here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shouts to the greatest of all time. <laughs> the big problem here is that multiple witnesses saw projectiles coming from the Atreides ship towards the Tleilaxu ship. And because, if you recall, Leto and Robert did that target practice game while they were waiting in traffic. We joked, yeah. that's what L.A. traffic is just always like. Practice with live fire ammunition. Shooting your guns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they did that, there's also proof now that the Atreidean ship's guns had recently been fired. Right. So there's a couple of things stacked up against poor Leto in this trial. Yeah. And these things make it hard to build a defense. <laughs> Wait, it's just occurring to me, there would be witnesses of them fucking target practicing in traffic. Yeah. There would be so many fucking people who are like, no, well, they were shooting their guns, like, while waiting to get on the Highliner. Like, we we all saw that. Yeah. There were <laughs> dozens of ships in that in that traffic jam in space around yeah. them. <laughs> Where are those people? Has Thufir not thought of this? 
Greatest Mets head of all time. Sorry. I just had a better thought than the fucking goat, I guess. All right. Continue. Sorry. No, no, no. That's a great point. Great point. <laughs> so their little strategy meeting here is interrupted by a guard who brings them a message cube. Yeah. <laughs> and this message cube tells them that House Carino has secret dealings with the Tleilaxu. And this is now their secret weapon. Leto decides that he will trust this strange message that came out of this glowing cube and try to pull a bluff against Shaddam. This <sighs> is his final Hail Mary to win this trial. But fucking why a message cube? <laughs> but why? It's not a thing. We have Shiga wire messages. Oh my God. We've got distrans. Yeah. We've got secure communications. We've got fucking paper notes. We've got written paper notes. Yeah. We've got encoded messages. We've got battle language. The idea that Brian Herbert's like, you know what this fucking story needs? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Basic polygons with s messages inside <laughs> of them. It's such sci-fi bullshit 101. Like, don't add new tech for no reason. Yeah. That's not why we're here. We're here for the people and the story. Totally. <sighs> Especially tech that we all know doesn't exist in the thing you're writing a prequel <laughs> yeah. to. <laughs> you know? We see 4,000 years of Dune history in Frank's books. And not a single message cue. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Did they run out? Did the company go under? They, like, right. they pulled a Toys R Us? Yeah. They just... <laughs> It's, so... it's yeah, you're so right. Mm. It, this is just like sci-fi. It, it's such a party file. Like when you're writing sci-fi, it's just this is so dumb. Anyway, yeah, message cube. It, the message cube also like dissolves in his hand. Like <laughs> it, it's a one-time use cube, which maybe that's why the company went under. You know, the cost of manufacturing these could not possibly be worth the messages being sent. Yeah. On them. <laughs> Hashtag so, could have been a message cube. <laughs> that's my head. This meeting could have been a message cube. <laughs> Might have to introduce that as a new saying. It's hilarious. Oh, God, this, yeah. this meeting could have been a message cube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. keeping our momentum, our next scene, we join Shaddam the Fourth. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, he's not Shaddam the Fourth yet. He's just Shaddam, and Count Hasmir Fenring in the Imperial Lichen Tree Grove, and they're just hanging out. They're just having a romantic bro hangout. It's lovely, and they've chosen this spot for their kind of plotting and their hanging out because there are these fireflies, these like glowing things, which are not fireflies. They are Tleilaxu creations, oh. which are b bugs that scramble listening devices. Okay. Here's the quote. Quote, these glow bugs generate an electromagnetic field. Not only does it create pleasing light, it also scrambles and dampens any secret listening devices. End quote. And I got to say, I'm not a fucking scientist. All right. But that sounds super stupid. Uh, that sounds <laughs> incredibly silly. And again, I'm forced to proclaim in just anger and frustration. Why? Why with a capital H? Yeah. We have cones of silence are like yes. canonically things. <laughs> Do those make sense? No. But we already accepted them. Yes. We are Dune fans. We're like, all right, Ixian Cones of Silence. Yeah, sure. And it's also weird that Fenring in this scene is like, what are these bugs? Are these bugs good? And Shaddam has to be like, <laughs> let me explain to you this Tleilaxu creation. Right. Later on, Shaddam accuses Fenring of being the one who wanted to do the artificial spice program with the Tleilaxu. He is either the liaison between the Tleilaxu or he's fucking not. Like, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. It's so frustrating. And also, why bucks? Right. Oh! Yeah. I mean, at least 60% <laughs> of the dialogue in these two issues and in this whole series, actually, is just exposition. It's just yeah. It's just one character asking, why is this? And another character explaining. You should explain this now. <laughs> All right, sure. If you say yeah. so. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it later, but the scene where Fenring murders the witness, he's yeah. just talking out loud to himself in exposition. Like, it's not even thought bubbles. He's just walking down the street talking to himself. It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, that's just the wrong shape of thing. Just have a different shape of thing on the, in the panel, and it makes more sense. Well... 
no amount of stupid-ass glow bugs will stop just a person walking into the room. Oh. And a servant interrupts their chat. Yeah. Maybe the Tleilaxley should invent doors. That usually stops people <laughs> from walking into a room. These glowed bug doors are walls <laughs> of bugs. Oh, you mean like normal doors? <laughs> no. <laughs> they use electromagnetics somehow. <laughs> we get a message from duke leto atreides force it up and basically the message is i know that you're working with the (laughs) tleilaxu meanwhile shaddam's covered in tleilaxu bugs he's like no (laughs) quick aside here this is some of the ugliest art i've ever seen (laughs) truly like (laughs) <laughs> the servant hands the scroll over to Shaddam. And at first I'm like, what? No, <laughs> you ran out of message cubes? What? Where's the message cube? Yeah, for real. And literally, it looks like he has Muppet fingers. Like, it looks <laughs> awful. It looks like those, like, blacksmith gloves that are clunky and chunky. And yeah, I'm astounded. I sent a screenshot when I first, like, read this to you, Abu. I was like, look at this fucking art. And I cannot fathom what led to this happening uh, because it's the same like line artist and color artist overseeing this whole series. I've seen them draw hands before. They've seen hands. (laughs) Very, very strange. I can't help but think that this is like crunch time. They had no budget. They had, I don't know. Yeah. There has to be some reason why this art is so fucking awful. Yeah. I mean, Shaddam's hand in the very next panel is no better. Yeah. It's like just as the, it, it looks like like a Pillsbury Doughboy hand. You know, it's so meaty. <laughs> yeah. They've got them fucking sausage fingers from everything everywhere all at once, <laughs> which only makes sense if you've seen that movie. But good Lord. Right. It right. looks like. That. Oh, my God. Such a good movie. Oh, it's one of the best. Uh, very strange. You're right. Pillsbury Doughboy hands is a great way of putting it. <laughs> Ready for bacon. now okay getting back to the fucking comic i guess fenring and shaddam are like ah he's probably bluffing but they also have to acknowledge the brilliance of the threat if he isn't bluffing it could be the end of the karino throne we also learn that with shaddam's kind of grand coronation just around the corner he is in a particularly like vulnerable headspace he's like i can't get called out right now if people uh, find out that I've been dealing with the Tleilaxu. They might challenge the throne that's been around for 10,000 years. He's got the weight of his legacy kind of on his shoulders. Right. And the scene finally ends with Shaddam summing up their thoughts. Quote, We cannot take the risk, especially not to coddle some fuming Tleilaxu. Leto Atreides is forcing us to find some way to help him. End quote. Wow. What a scene. What a scene start <laughs> to finish. God, just the bugs already made me angry. (laughs) It's the first panel. (laughs) Well, in the next scene, head to Castle Kaladin. Yeah. And in a couple of honestly pretty beautiful panels. Yeah. We join Kaylee Vernius, who uh, is just thinking some thoughts. Nothing really (laughs) happens in this scene. She is just basically recapping everything that's happened to House Vernius over the course of this series. Yeah to her and her brother and her family. And then she asks, quote, but then I have already lost everything. Can I survive such a loss again? End quote. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we we used up uh, some production time and a whole page of some gorgeous panels just to have Kaylee think some thoughts here on page. <laughs> Love Kaylee. My vote Oh, okay. Scrap yeah. the page. Spend some more time drawing those fucking hands. The last scene. Just more hand time. Hand budget time. There it is. We found it. We solved your comic book. Honestly, great production note. Yeah. Someone on this comics team had to give that note. Hilarious. Next time. Next time you have a comic issue, hire me and Abu. We will keep you on the straight and narrow. almost a genuine offer because if you're going to keep fucking making these at least make them good all right 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 we'll make sure your hands are rock fucking solid they're gonna be such good hands the best hands (laughs) we get rid of the message cubes and the fucking bugs Uh. well 
Our next scene joins Shaddam Fenring in the Tleilaxu Master, Hidar Fen Ajitika. Ajitika. Ajitika? That's all of those sounded right to me. Honestly. You know, they're all good. They're all as good as they're going to get. Yep. And Shaddam is attempting to force the Tleilaxu to drop their charges. The conversation basically doesn't go well. Hidar is being super pedantic and stubborn. He's like clearly not interested in cooperating. And the long story short is the Tleilaxu feel dishonored. And although Shaddam is like, I'll literally pay you blood money. And he uses the term blood money. He's like, I'll just give you blood money. The Tleilaxu are not taking it. And Hidar asks, quote, why exactly is the fate of this young Atreides so important to you? End quote. And Shaddam flips out. Mm. Because, dude, he got like a message cube or something and he knows we're working together. It's awful. It's awful for me. Terrible poker face in this scene. Shaddam's just laying his cards on the table. Yeah. Hadar is like, nah, that's impossible. And also, I'm not going to compel our pilot, the key witness, to lie. And then he leaves. He's like, nope, not going to do it anyway. Uh, bye. Goodbye. <laughs> And it's, like, super abrupt, but I guess he said what he meant to say. But also, I'm like, you mean the crown prince and Fenring yeah. can't be like, can we have, like, two more questions? Right. <sighs> Apparently, you can just walk out on the crown prince. No repercussions at all <laughs> remotely. Yeah. What a strange scene. I'm going to try this with my manager and my next one-on-one. <laughs> Oh, you'll have to report back. <laughs> Let us know how that goes. All right. Next up, we are back in the Imperial prison with Leto and Rombar and Thufir. Yeah. And they are, you know, still discussing this upcoming trial. Yep. There's been a very important development, though. Yeah. Margot Fenring has offered the use of a Benny Gesserit truthsayer during this trial. Yeah. Which super useful. Most trials are trying to get to the truth. Yeah. And having a truth sayer in the room would be extremely useful. Now, quick side note here. This development, uh-huh. the like, hey guys, uh-huh. we have the use of a truth sayer, <laughs> right. comes from Romber. Oh my God. Romber's like, hey, Thufir, greatest <laughs> mentat in the universe, and Leto, current duke of a great house, I've got some news for you. The Benny Gesserit <laughs> reached out and they're like, to you? The orphaned yeah. kid of a disgraced house and exiled like, right. father. Who's not even supposed to be here right now, <laughs> like on this planet. <laughs> Why? Why is he the point person? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I have to wonder if like in the book it's more justified. Maybe there is a line about like maybe Dominic Vernius was like yeah. close with the big Benny Gesserit so they knew him and could approach it. I don't know. But it's not in yeah. this comic. doesn't make any fucking sense. I had to stop for a moment and I'm like... Why isn't Thufir calling this out? Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, what he is doing is being bigoted, basically. <laughs> Thufir, yeah. like, calls the Bene Gesserit witches and sure. is basically like, what? A truthsayer? No. <laughs> Quote, a truthsayer could verify that you believe your own innocence or that the truthsayer herself has been bribed. The use of truthsayers in court proceedings has always been disputed. End quote. Mm. Thufir, my guy, you guys are on the back foot in this trial. Take what's given to you. <laughs> I know. Just anything. <laughs> fucking anything except the help. I will say that, like, by Dune, it does seem that everybody's pretty sold on the efficacy of truthsayers. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's guys Hella Moheim. I'm afraid of her because she can tell if I'm lying. And they believe in, like, that so, like, this yeah. could be kind of like good world building that Thufir saying, historically, there isn't a lot of precedent for this. Yeah. That could be cool, I guess. Yeah, it could be. could be. I don't know. I just wanted to point out, could be kind of cool world building. Uh, tip of the hat. I like the idea of, like, public perception on these sorts of goings on that we see in Dune evolving. I do like that. That's cool. Yeah, that's true. So... This little scene wraps up when Thufir and Rombar leave because, quote, they have some investigations to do, end quote. And uh, Rombar <laughs> is going to help the greatest mentat in the universe do some errands, apparently. Come with me, disgraced child. I need your help with books. <laughs> <laughs> so 
we don't have an explanation of what they're actually going to go do. And to me, it feels like uh, we just needed to set up this next scene that's coming up. So they left. <laughs> and this next scene. Oh, good. Oh, golly. Oh, boy. Oh, buckle up. We've got Leto pouring over some paperwork. Uh, and he's approached by a guard. But if you thought this was the normal guard, you'd be fucking wrong. This is an action chapter. <laughs> Leto is considering his predicament. He's like, oh, innocence doesn't mean an innocent verdict. That's not how the game works. Maybe I'll have to play their twisted political games to get out of this unscathed. I do appreciate, again, the beginnings of Leto Atreides being familiar with like playing the galactic chess game that is like politics. Yeah. That's kind of fun to see the beginning of these thoughts. But this guard approaches him and he's like, oh, you're not the normal guard. The guard opens like a cake to a bachelor party to reveal <laughs> two little toy Laxu assassins. Yeah, not strippers. No, different no, no. bachelor party. Slightly yeah. different. Yeah, this is two small strippers. Really the like two kids in a trench coat getting into a rated r movie trick yeah <laughs> so really, oh my gosh it's phenomenal can't help but think of bojack horseman in this scene <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the broom arm he's like you don't look like the normal guard <laughs> now leto has a knife that fufir smuggled in and does manage to kill one of the assassins uh before being cornered right before he's killed by this final assassin Thufir comes back with a laze blaster or a laze gun and laze blasts or laze guns the remaining assassin. Good save, Thufir. <laughs> Mentat yeah. projection. <laughs> God, that actually would have been fantastic if he had said, like, Mentat analysis and then pulled the trigger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, give him a one-liner for sure in that scene. Like, I'd, I'd love that. Like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, like... Stinger right before he pulls the trigger. <laughs> Project this. <laughs> <laughs> I meant had projected a hole in his chest. Uh. The <laughs> the actual guards rush in, and our heroes contemplate how this affects the trial. Well, basically, makes the Tleilaxu look really bad. Mm -hmm. It's not great when you're like, hey, we're the victims here, so we're going to try to assassinate the person who made us look bad. Yeah. Now, one of the guards is looking at the knife uh, used to kill the first of the Tleilaxu assassins. And he goes, how did this knife get smuggled in here? And Leto's like, oh, well, they brought it. And the guard's like, oh, yeah, that checks out. That's cool. That's great. And there it is. <laughs> For some reason, the guard's suspicious of the knife, but then utterly drops it when uh, he considers, oh, yeah, probably just the uh, the assassins brought it in. And the chapter ends with Thufir Guaranteeing Leto's safety by promising to take the matter into his own hands, which we all know how that yeah. guarantee works. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've heard of this book called Dune, where right. Thufir's protection almost got Paul killed and also definitely got <laughs> uh, Leto killed. So anyway, moving on. Yeah, that's that chapter. We love you, Thufir. <laughs> you dumb bastard. <laughs> In our next scene. We are in the Imperial throne room, back with Fenring and Shaddam. And, oh boy, this scene <laughs> so weird. So weird. Fenring is basically here. He's done his homework. He's got some paperwork. And he tells Shaddam that he has gathered some secrets and blackmail and intel on people in the Landstrad. Mm. And all of this could be very useful in helping to get Leto Atreides acquitted, because that's the goal, right? Like, they don't want their Ixian plot to be revealed by Leto, so they need to make sure the trial goes the way they want. Right. All of that sounds well and good to me. Yeah. But not to Shaddam. Yeah. Shaddam scolds Fenring, calling him a ham-handed fool. <laughs> Ouch, dude. Yeah. Chill. The ham hands were in the last panel, dude. Like, that was the bad art from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> And they were your hands. They were your hands. You were the ones with the hand hands. <laughs> ham, ham hands. That's a word. <laughs> Basically, Shaddam here is worried about the political damage if word of this gets out, which is weird because he killed his own dad. Like, he's done much worse than just gather <laughs> intel. Yeah. 
on people in the Landstraat. This seems like normal politicking to me. Right, right. Fenring sort of sees through Shaddam's little temper tantrum that he's throwing and cuts to the core of it. Right. Shaddam, what's wrong? Like, you're acting weird. Right. And we learn that Shaddam has learned about this Tleilaxu assassination attempt on Duke Leto, and he's pissed about it. Yeah. And he's directing all of his anger towards Fenring. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just the closest person in the room at the moment. Shaddam says, quote, your artificial spice program will bring about my downfall, Hazemir, and your own, end quote. <sighs> and the scene ends with Fenring leaving, promising to fix the situation. And that's where we close out the scene. Very weird tone in this scene. I don't know how you felt about it, Leo, but I yeah. was like, this is out of character for both of these characters. Like Shaddam and Fenring are old friends. They wouldn't have a stupid tiff like this. And Fenring's out here doing good work, like gathering intel, doing his job. It's, yeah. it's very weird that Shaddam would be mad about that. Poorly written scene. He's the picture of discretion. Yeah. Yeah. And Shaddam's like, oh, I bet you fucked everything up. Very strange. I'll also say, like, yeah, I think that Brian Herbert has established that, like, this artificial spice program is Fenring's project. But the more I think about it, the less it makes sense. And also, Shaddam, like, throws the papers in Fenring's face and, like, straight up, like, <laughs> pegs him in the head with a bunch of papers. Yeah. And Fenring's like, oh, I guess I'll pick up these papers and hand them back to you. This is not the Fenring who we meet in Dune at all. No. When he says in Dune, like, out of our friendship, I'm going to forget that you hit me, right? And, like, is literally threatening the at-the-moment emperor of the universe. Yep. Like, that is Count Hasmir Fenring. He's a killer with the manners of a rabbit. The idea of Shaddam being like, and throwing papers at him and it having no consequence is insane to me. So, I agree. Doesn't feel like the two characters... This is also where, in the comic, characters stop looking like themselves. <laughs> like, every other panel, people's faces are just, like, wildly different. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> Not sure how much that affected, like, my read of the tone, but uh, just a little side note there about Fenring. Yeah. Those papers would have disintegrated the second they hit Fenring's iron jaw. <laughs> so that, that's yeah. also canonically incorrect. <laughs> He slices the papers on his cheekbones, his killer <laughs> cheekbones. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Now, following that weird out-of-tone scene, we are in Zimia, the imperial capital, with Fenring and the pilot of the Tleilaxu ship who has been implicated in the Harkonnen plot. Now, the pilot's chilling, awaiting the trial. He's just sitting, talking to himself out loud. <laughs> He's kind of vibing. I kind of, I, I roll with this guy. He's fun. Yeah. His residence, his, his kind of holding area kind of sucks. But to him, quote, it does not matter. Lack of gaudiness is not a problem. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> it's just a fantastic Yelp review of like the Kaiten best Western. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? Lack of gaudiness, not a problem. Six out of five stars, guys. It's great. <laughs> it's just a mattress on the floor. But listen, lack of gaudiness, not a problem. <laughs> Fenring joins him and it's clear he wasn't expecting company Fenring's like yo drop the charges and he's like no so Fenring oh my god shoots him <laughs> shoots him to death yeah using sleeve bullets <laughs> it's just he's like and bam both sleeves oh killing my you. god oh my god <laughs> quote problem has been solved end quote <laughs> <laughs> it is that fucking easy folks you got problems Shoot them with sleeve bullets. Sleeve bullets. Not not a nine millimeter. Just <laughs> no. sleeve bullets. Sleeve bullets. Also, after the Tleilaxu guy is like, I've got a projectile weapon. Fenring's like, no, you don't. And then he does. Oh, what a twist. <laughs> what a twist. And as Fenring leaves, he remarks, he'll leave the corpse as a message to the Tleilaxu and that they can make a Gola. After all, you know what? Maybe the, maybe the pilot was a good pilot. It's very considerate. Yeah. Also, we'll come back to this because I feel like this is something that Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson forgot that they said. Yep. We'll come back to this in the final issue. For sure. Now, in our penultimate scene of issue 11, we join Baron Harkonnen and Beast Raban on Kaiten. They have recently disembarked from the Harkonnen frigate. Everyone is basically setting up for this coronation. 
that's coming up. Mm. As they make their way to their private quarters, which are lavish, to say the least, Baron compliments Beast on a job well done. Good job shooting that Tleilaxu ship. We have done it. Our framing of House Atreides' plot is well underway. Their conversation touches on the trial for a moment before Baron drops a bombshell. Yeah. Hey, Beast, Ravon, buddy, I need you to not be here. I need you to leave Kaiten. <laughs> and understandably, Ravon is furious. Yeah. He wants to be here to see the results of his actions. He was part of this plot. He wants to see the downfall of the Atreides for himself. But the Baron points out that Raban isn't exactly the most subtle of dudes. Right. And Raban acting all pompous with his chest puffed out during all of this is going to make people suspicious. Right, right. And so he wants Raban nowhere near all of this delicate planning and plotting happening on the Capitol. Right. Which is a fair point. I agree with the Baron here. If I was in his shoes, I would do the same exact thing. Beast Raban cannot be trusted with subtlety. Right. That's true. It's a good point. <laughs> and to keep Raban occupied, the Baron gives him a job. Go back to Arrakis, watch over our operations there. I don't know. Keep yourself busy. Kill some Fremen if you want. Just don't be here on Kaiten. Right. Let me handle things here. And Raban is pissed. He storms out of the room. Well, our final scene in this issue is with Leto, marching into the Imperial Court of the Lancerad. The whole chapter is in his head, and uh, as he's being escorted. And he outlines the stakes. Either he's victorious in his defense, or, well, hey, they take everything House Atreides has, <laughs> uh, leaving him like a fisher, living day to day. Or, you know what? They could execute him. They could also kill him. The scene and this issue ends with the court bailiff or whatever calling out the beginning of the trial of Duke Leto Atreides. And listen, folks, if I didn't know exactly what's going to fucking happen because this is all a prequel series, <laughs> I would be on the edge of my seat. I'm like, is he going to be kicked out of House Atreides and killed? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we all know it's a prequel series. So there's no stakes. Just forget about the first book's. And you'll uh, maybe you'll enjoy these ones. I don't know. Yeah. Thus ends issue eleven. Hoof, a wild ride and a rough one. <laughs> a wild, rough ride. It's Splash Mountain, but instead of water, it's bees. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here, but when we're back, we're gonna jump into issue twelve, the final issue of Dune House Atreides. So stay tuned. Stick around. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks. Thanks for bearing with us here. Bearing with us? <laughs> Let's jump back into this comic book series. Mm -hmm. Issue 12 begins on Kaiten, basically where we left off with Leto's trial by forfeiture. Yeah. The trial begins with <laughs> the Tleilaxu prosecutors bringing out some sort of coffin <laughs> death trap contraption thing Yeah. and declaring to everyone present, that once they win this trial, they plan to take Leto's life and body. He's not just forfeiting his titles and his lands and his wealth. He's forfeiting his very life. Right. And uh, they make it very explicitly clear that they're going to draw his blood. They're going to use his cells. They're going to tear him limb from limb. And hey, maybe they'll turn him into a Gola if they want to. Which, okay. <laughs> he says, sorry to keep jumping in, but I just have to pick this bone yeah please the tleilaxu fucking guy is like maybe <laughs> maybe we'll resurrect your ruined body as a gola which fun fucking fact is not how golas work <laughs> <laughs> they're grown in tanks right you don't bring the ruined body back you just take you have the cell you just make it from the cells yes it's 
the weird little like lore mistakes that just make this so grating. Just death by a thousand cuts is how this feels. For real. Ugh, anyway, sorry. Truly, Continue. it's tough. <laughs> no, uh, thank you for picking that bone. It, it must be picked. I also want to point out, like, I know everyone hates the Tleilaxu when they're not trying to, like, win anyone over. But, again, you are the defendants, right? Like, right. you are the one that have been wronged in this trial. Right. Why are you turning the jury or the magistrates or whoever is overseeing this trial against you by pulling the stunt? <laughs> yeah. Save the coffin death contraption thing for later, like after you've won. <laughs> right, right. It's like clear the Tleilaxu have no PR department and never have. <laughs> That's a good point. Anyway. Should we show them the death coffin? Yeah, probably. It's fucking cool. <laughs> it's really rad. It's got like spider arms. It's dope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, continuing with the trial, Leto declares his innocence, but before the trial can truly kick off, it's interrupted by the arrival of Shaddam himself. Yo, hey. Who walks in, walks right up to the magistrates, and gives a grand speech yeah. in defense of Leto, calling him my cousin, this term of endearment, even though they're not super close. Yeah. And uh, this is enough, Leo. <laughs> this is apparently enough to sway the magistrates who fully pardon Leto. <laughs> All of his crimes are forgiven. That's it. We're moving on. A speech from our boy Shaddam was the last piece of the puzzle apparently we needed to just fully pardon our boy. That does it. I mean, it helps that like they make multiple reference to the fact that the Tleilaxu pilot apparently quote unquote withdrew oh my or like God. disappeared. They're like, well, your key witness disappeared. Isn't that suspicious? Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, like, he's a corpse in a room <laughs> under, like, imperial protection. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Fenring left his body with the thought, that'll leave a message. Right. And no one's like, hey, by the way, our key witness got murdered last night from, let me check my notes, uh, sleeve bullets? Does anybody <laughs> here have sleeve bullets? Oh, okay. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. This feels like a detail that was just kind of forgotten about. Maybe in the book they address it. Maybe in the book it's worded a little bit different. But the fact that they make multiple reference to this pilot who's withdrawn or disappeared right. is very silly. Yeah. And you would think that Tleilaxu's very first defense, wouldn't it be to bring out a death contraption, but to bring out the dead body of this pilot yeah. and be like, this is super sus. Yeah. Someone shot our fucking key witness. Yeah. Duke Leto is guilty. <laughs> seems like a thing he'd have done. Like, that seems like a pretty rock solid defense to me. Like, it's so weird. And also because Thufir's like, there are two people who are kind of on the fence. Like, clearly this trial is about convincing a few people of, like, their opinion is what is innocent, who is innocent. That's suspicious as fuck. That'd be such a good defense. You're right. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's wild. Also, very strange little moment. Shaddam calls dibs on the, like, spider tortured coffin. <laughs> He's like, I also want that. Get, we're taking that as well, which maybe was justified in the book. But, again, very strange thing to just include in this. Right. Oh, yeah, I mean, we get we get no follow-up or closure about that at all. He just takes the death contraption for himself. My other thought is, like, because this is the first book in a trilogy that Brian planned before Dune, Maybe that coffin does come up later, like in issue in the second book or the third book. Yeah. So they had to include it in the adaptation so that people would know what it is when it's introduced. Yeah. But that's it's just bad. It's just a bad thing. It's bad. It's just a bad thing. And uh, that's it. That's how this trial concludes. Worst episode of Judge Judy ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> next up, it is time, finally, for Shaddam's coronation. We don't have to keep correcting ourselves when we say Shaddam the Fourth. Fenring is fuming because apparently he's been exiled to Arrakis after his little fight with Shaddam. And Margot is like, hey, babe, don't worry. We're going to go there. I'm looking good. You're looking good. We're going to go there looking good together. We're going to make the best of it. It's going to be good. Right. Kaylee arrives and greets her brother and Leto as the Atreides group settle into their box for the ceremony. Spirits are high. They're like, OK, we're still in exile mom's still dead dad's still you know <laughs> jesus <laughs> but you know at least we get to watch this party and at least you're yeah. dead, leto 
Also, there's right. a moment where Kaylee's like, I'm wearing the Atreides crest because of how mm, close we are. <laughs> I was like, yeah. all right, Kaylee, oh my God. fucking cool your jets. You're not even in the books. Uh, <laughs> right. But also, Leto, pick up on the signs, my guy. <laughs> He's like, mm-hmm, cool, we're just friends. Anyway, <laughs> what up, Robert? <laughs> what up, Robert? <laughs> and it's too bad I'm still single. Anyway, now Shaddam arrives in the onlooker's chair, and he's officially crowned Emperor of the Known Universe. Pretty big. And it's not all. This is also, this coronation is also a wedding. Hey! Wow. Shaddam is being married to Lady Anirul, the uh, Bene Gesserit sister of hidden rank, and the super sneaky <laughs> high Oh my priestess. god, this panel. This this priest priestess looks on just looking so <laughs> mischievous really leaves us with that question of like i wonder if the Benny jesuit are up to something hmm do we think i do want to point out before we wrap up this coronation slash marriage scene the final panel of the scene yeah is actually really gorgeous yeah we, we see the silhouettes of aneril and shaddam framed against the backdrop of the chitin skyline as their cloak kind of like blows in the breeze it's really beautiful and I like that's another panel I'd want like framed. Right. Yeah, it is gorgeous. So sh- shouts to the art again. The art art is like weirdly hit and miss in these two issues, but <laughs> yeah, this is this is one where it hit. Yeah. Well, after that scene, of course we got to have the after party, folks. So at the coronation after party, Leto approaches Shaddam to make his plea for House Vernius. The whole reason they're even here. He walks up to Shaddam and he asks him to pardon House Vernius and to give them back Planet X. Yeah. Shaddam says no. Right. Right. He says, quote, you have used up all your favors with me, cousin, and I will hear no more of X. End quote. Mm. He does throw them a bone and pardons the kids, but he says he's not going to pardon Dominic Vernius and X is completely out of the question. He fucked my dad's wife. <laughs> it's like, oh, fair. <laughs> Or Fair. concubine, I guess. Maybe some yeah. bad blood there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's clear from this interaction that this, like, grand speech he gave in the trial earlier, all a sham, all an act, of course. He actually holds very little affection for Leto here. Right. And this, of course, foreshadows the coming events of Dune, where he is part of the plot to bring about Leto's downfall. That's true. Well, speeding our way. Through this final issue, our next scene, Baron Harkonnen is fuming on Giddy Prime because they're extremely well thought out, perfect, complex, <laughs> and rock solid plan uh, didn't work even remotely. Oh, despite no. the fact that like nine pieces of technology were invented to make it happen. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Now, Piter is like looking on the bright side of things. He's trying to find the silver lining. He's like, "Listen, guys, hey." twisted mintat projection no one knows that we were involved and and no one's questioning no one's like hey who was guilty right and we've gained insight into the schemes taking place in the imperial court we know who's like on whose side and we you know we know more about that yeah okay optimist piter i kind of like this side <laughs> of him that doesn't exist in the in the normal book and it's fine right baron reassures himself he remembers House Harkonnen controls Arrakis. They've got Arrakis. They control the spice, the source of spice. They remain strong so long as they have control over Arrakis. And I'm sure that will never, ever, ever change. <laughs> but he is in this scene also committing to ending House Atreides however is possible. Yes. Really just saying, okay, that didn't work, but right. you rascally kids, I'll get you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get this done. And then you flip the page and we get this one page scene. Very quick, very short. Fenring and Lady Margot are drinking water out of overly fancy wine glasses. You could just <laughs> use a cup. Yeah. They're drinking this water out of wine glasses as they look out over Arakin. They have made the journey to Arrakis. And um, that's about it. That is all that happens in this scene. What a pointless waste of ink is my only thought about this page. <laughs> Go back to issue 11. Draw the hands better. Get rid of this Draw scene. Draw the hands. 
Just have someone say, oh, do you hear Fenring was in Arakeen now? Done. You've done as much in one. Could have been a message cube. This whole scene could have been a message (laughs) cube. This whole whole comic could have been a fucking message cube. (laughs) (laughs) Carries us. Could have been play like Sue Bugs. This penultimate scene, this next scene, has honestly... Well, okay. This might justify the whole thing existing because, yeah, for real. Honestly, fuck, so goddamn sexy. Oh, Dominic! I had to click when I turned the page. I had to click a like, "Are you over 18? Because this is almost <laughs> pornographic, purely because we get Dominic Vernius back on the page, folks. Oh Sheesh! my god, he Sheesh! is. <laughs> he is. Good heavens, he's handsome. Big old mustache, beautiful man. And yeah, he's standing on like the bones of his wife or whatever. He's like (laughs) on Bellategu's for a second. And he's like, yeah, okay. They murdered my beautiful Shando. They murdered Shando. And he, with his remaining refugees from Ix, have established a base on, (laughs) this is almost unbelievable. Yeah. The southern pole of Arrakis. What? How? How did they do that? Yeah. How did they navigate the Fremen? How did... There's so many questions. Right. This is the same Southern Pole where Pardo is getting set up? Ah, okay. And they're establishing a secret base deep in the ice caves of the Southern Poles of Arrakis. Yeah. So many questions. Yeah. Also... You're on the run, right? Like, there's bounty hunters after you. Yeah. Your game plan is to hide on the most important central planet in the whole Imperium? It's the last place they'll look. Like, where a bunch of shit is about to go down? Yeah. (laughs) The one place everyone keeps their eyes on all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, logistically, I have some questions. But, again, we don't get any closure or answers or even follow up on any of this. Seemingly, this is setting up the sequel book. Yeah. And, and to be fair, hey, listen, to be fair, the questions, the answers, the setups, what is and is not resolved, the gaping holes in, in plot and problems, <laughs> none of them matter when we're looking at beautiful Dominic Vernius's incredible oh fucking fits. My dude. Holy shit. Has been shopping. That winter goat. Not the boys section, not the women's section. No, no. The badass rogue section with nothing to lose. Yes. Hell yeah. He looks like a protagonist I would follow for maybe another book, but probably not if it's this author. (laughs) (sighs) Fantastic. Uh, Love a chapter with Dominic. Yes. If anything, maybe I'll just get the next run of issues and just cut out the pages with Dominic. I'll look at those. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Dominic fan cam. Yeah, just just a super cut of all the Dominic moments. <laughs> all right, let's wrap up issue 12 and oh, this comic. Yes. We are back on Kaladin, mm. where Leto is thinking to himself. He's hoping that someday, somehow, <laughs> he will find out who attacked the Tleilaxu ship and the truth will come out. Yeah. But screw satisfying conclusion <laughs> and good storytelling. Because it's time to go watch a storm with Kaylee and Romber. Yeah. And the three kids just like head off into the distance. Very weird. The final panel of this entire comic <laughs> is literally Leto looking out over the sea thinking, quote, I am House Atreides, end quote. <laughs> you can't end the comic with anything other than the title of the comic. Don't you know, Abu? Like in the famous yeah, I, Batman comic where he said, I am Batman of the final panel, you know? Right, right. Or oh my God. the Adventure Time comic where at the end, Finn goes, golly, Jake, this sure has been an Adventure Time. Oh my God, it's so bad. Look, it's so bad. I know there's a sequel book and potentially a sequel comic in the works for this. So, Yes, there are a lot of loose threads that I still have questions about that have not been answered that maybe get addressed in future books. Right. I don't know. I haven't read the sequel book. But I'm still left wondering, did he ever hook up with Kaylee? Yeah. What was her entire point in the story? Yeah. Did Leto work with the kids to, like, track down their badass father and, like, try to figure out what the fuck's going on in South Pole? What's happening with that plot line? Does the galaxy ever actually find out what happened with the Tleilaxu attack? None of this, no closure, none of these questions are answered in this comic book series. 
And knowing what we've experienced in the last 12 issues, I doubt that a sequel satisfactorily answers them either. (laughs) If anything, it really feels like doubling down on every issue. It's like, okay, I am seven frustrated, but uh, maybe this next issue will make it better. And then the next issue ends and you're like, oh, I'm 14 frustrated. I am. (laughs) But maybe that next issue. And I just anticipate by the end of the trilogy, I would just be chewing on the book frustrated right angry yeah. truly yeah well we're already sort of talking about our frustrations but let's wrap up our yeah. discussion today now that we've talked yeah. about all 12 issues of this entire comic book run top to bottom yeah leo i'm curious yeah what were your impressions both about issues 11 and 12 from today but also this whole series start to finish now that we've covered it in its entirety okay well <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, issues 11 and 12, especially in the way that it's like establishing new plots to be wrapped up in future books, I guess, are some of the most frustrating writing because it's just so clunky and it's just setting up all these questions that we know are not going to have great answers. Because again, this is a fucking prequel series. There are no stakes. You like, well, I'll I'll get to that point in a second. I, I, throughout this series, really did try to like be... As like forgiving as I could be, and certainly there were there was a point at which I realized the actual book is better than the comic. Yeah, right. Like the actual book gives a lot more insight into characters' motivations and conversations happen better. The horse wasn't in that scene. Like thing, <laughs> weird things like that were changed for the comic, and I don't understand. But I, at this point, looking back on the twelve issues as a completed work, one hundred percent stand by every criticism that I that I had. I also regret some of the like moments of de- trying to defend it that I that I had. Yeah. And I'm really just left with this sense that like perhaps the vision of the initial prequel series was flawed from the outset and like the plot didn't really make sense and it and it went against the grain of these characters who we know very well from six novels. But also like the adaptation was bad. And I don't know who is at fault there. Yeah. Like, what board meeting room was like, this is going to be good. People are going to love this. And maybe (laughs) people do enjoy it. And I'm just, because we so know these characters and we so know this universe, that we're like, message cubes are an absurd fucking addition to this universe. And the normal reader is like, well, that makes as much sense as anything, you know? Like, maybe it is our bias that works so much against it. I will say that undeniably, the cover art and the variant covers for these issues are the best thing about them. Evan Cagle doing doing the best work out here. Yeah, and we had some other artists for I think the variant covers. Yeah. Unironically, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful and almost justifies the experience. But like there were problems with the final issues, the final two issues, final three issues that felt very much like incomplete like these felt like first drafts that never got refined and never got like proofread (laughs) and never got like caring loving attention yeah the way that even some of those first comics you know the first issue i remember thinking wow this is pretty good like i don't love the content but like it's good it's fun you know it's not my hashtag not my dune but like still fun (laughs) and enjoyable this is like terrible ugliest hands i've literally ever seen in a professional work of art right and I've seen other hands in this comic, so I know the artists are capable. It's just a question of, like, what changed? And was it budget? Was it time? Was it a combination of all of the above? The other thing I'll say is, like, you know, the final issue really does set up a lot. Like, we get back with Dominic, who's apparently now on Arrakis. We get Fenring is incensed, and Beast Raban has complicated feelings also, Baron still has this fucking disease he got from Moheim, I guess, and nothing has happened yet from that. Yeah. There's so much that has to happen in the next two books before Dune. I have literal anxiety about how it would be handled, considering even basic things like, oh, earplugs that cancel the voice, or message cubes, or, I don't know, a no-ship this fucking early in the Dune timeline— these things blow such giant holes in Dune's core, like, lore consistency. I have so much anxiety about what the second and third books do to the franchise. 
all of which is to say I hated it. <laughs> like, I hated this, hated this series. It, it seemed like the artists and the colorists all checked out emotionally. Oh, and okay. Wait, wait. One, one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, lay into it. I'm loving this. Oh, well, listen. Listen. Okay. Here's a quick fix. And I think even fans of this comic can agree this would be good. The Trial of Duke Leto Atreides. The Tleilaxu threaten to flay his skin, to take his eyes, to take his blood, to take everything. We know that this doesn't happen. We've read fucking Dune. We've seen... This is a prequel series. We know that doesn't happen. Yeah. So that whole panel and all of that, the shock on Leto's face means nothing. Mm -hmm. It's hollow. It's just, please feel this feeling. No, we're not going to because we know what's going to happen. Here's an idea. Brian, Kevin, you've introduced some characters who don't exist in Dune. Make us care about them. Kylie... Kaylee, whatever the fuck her name is, we care about her a little bit. She seems nice. She seems sweet. Yeah. You already problematically treat women like accessories in all of these books. But nevertheless, hear me out. If the Tleilaxu said, you know what? Those two, Romber and Kaylee, are under Duke Leto's protection. We're going to take them too. And no one's going to step up to their defense because they're an exiled house. We're going to take them and we're going to take their their body and their blood. Then we could have the court say, well, maybe we're going to excuse Leto. But yeah, I guess you can have the kids. And maybe that'll like pay off some of this. And then we would be as readers like, holy fuck, that's dark. Is that going to happen? Yeah. And we would actually have a moment of caring. Like there would be stakes. There would actually be a sense of, is this dark, terrible thing going to happen to a character we kind of like? But no. None of that. It's all the, like, primary characters. Will Duke Leto be killed by the two small assassins? <laughs> no. No, he's not going to be. Uh, do you know how I know that? Do you know how I have that insight? Uh-huh. Mentat Projection. I read Dune by Frank Herbert. Oh, not not your pressing abilities. Oh. Yeah, but it's it's not my pressing <laughs> abilities, no. No. Uh, it's just it's just tough. I, I have promised before... And I will reaffirm my promise. I will read Brian Herbert's book in its entirety. And at some point, we'll talk about it here eventually. Yeah, for sure. I suspect it's better than the comic adaptation, which doesn't excuse what the comic adaptation is. It's still bad. It's still not a good thing. But I don't necessarily want all of this criticism to fall directly on Brian and Kevin. It's possible they did a fine job with the book. I don't think they did, but we'll see. Yeah. Anyway. That rambling sprawl of negativity is my TED talk. <laughs> what about you, Abu? Uh, loved it? Favorite ever? Second favorite? Yeah. Maybe top five? You know it. Love it. <laughs> now, you, you've said basically everything that I have been thinking as well as we've covered these 12 issues. Yeah. So I'll try not to repeat because I agree with basically everything you've stated. I honestly at this point don't know what else there is left to say that we haven't already said on this episode and in previous episodes. We've expressed our frustrations all throughout this coverage. This comic series as a whole felt to me like a bad fanfic. Yeah, yeah. With major issues, terrible pacing, boring plot, absurd leaps of logic, like thing A happens just because thing B has to happen in two chapters later for no reason. Right. And of course, the one-dimensional characters, which we've talked about before. Right, right. The art, again, maybe the only saving grace of this series, has been pretty good all throughout, particularly those covers that we gush about all the time. But even the art, as you've pointed out today, was like weirdly off the mark in these last two issues in 11 and 12. Beyond just the <laughs> the doughboy hands that are everywhere, <laughs> yeah. I also couldn't help but be distracted by the character faces. Yeah. Like, sometimes the faces are so over-the-top exaggerated. Like, the emotion they're supposed to be feeling is, like, I don't know, subtle tension, fear. But you just remove the tension and you do this, like, hilarious, almost parody-style face where they're, like, scared out of their fucking mind because they're stressed about something. Yeah. It's so bad that it's almost comical. And it really took me out of many scenes in today's issues. Right. I will say... To your point about the book versus this comic book adaptation, I too am now really interested in reading the actual original Dune House Atreides book by Brian and Kevin. Yeah. 
because obviously you can pack more detail into a novel and you lose something in an adaptation like this. But I think in addition to that, I proposed this theory in our previous coverage, but I am now fully convinced Mm. now that we've read all of it, that this comic book series was adapted by people who basically haven't read Dune or know very little about it. Like maybe they were given like a one page summary. Right. And I think this comic was ghost written. Mm. This was just like a quick cash grab, outsource it to someone for cheap, have them just like ghost write and adapt this book. Here's like a two page summary of our book. Turn this into a comic. I don't care. Yeah. I I know that's like a crackpot theory. I have my tinfoil hat on for sure. <laughs> yeah. This to me just feels so outrageously bad. Yeah. That even Brian and Kevin, who we are not shy about criticizing on this podcast, even those two have been with the Dune material long enough that they wouldn't be making the amateur mistakes that are made in this comic. Right. Yeah. Some of the fundamental lore mistakes that are made in this comic book series, I don't think even Brian and Kevin would be foolish enough to make. So I'm kind of convinced they basically had nothing to do with this damn thing. That's my crackpot theory. I I have nothing to back that up, but I wanted to just throw that out there that I'm pretty sure this was a ghostwriter. My final review of this comic, though, is, um, dear listener, don't touch this comic with a 10-foot pole, negative 5 out of 10 stars. What about a (laughs) 10-foot Tleilaxu anti-magnetic field pole? With yes. message cube capabilities. <laughs> and yes. Bluetooth. Only if it has message cube capabilities and Bluetooth <laughs> 5.0. Don't fuck with Bluetooth oh. 4.0. Oh, hell yeah. That's a good 10 foot <laughs> pole. <laughs> you can touch the comic with that pole and that pole only. <laughs> it's, a, it's a separate accessory for reading the comic. Uh, yeah. Buy it straight from Toylax. Cool. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path. This episode perhaps could have been a message cube. <laughs> Isn't that really what we make here on Gamjabar? Just just a message cube with a middle finger that dissolves <laughs> as you read it. Coming to the merch store, message cubes that just say, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah. For for those days where you just gotta get through to your manager. <laughs>